Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, securities sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house and giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner and an investment advisor with over 19 years' experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider. also have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. We're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly radio show. We are right here every Saturday like today from 9 to 10 a.m. You can also go to our website, moneymd.net. We have a link in the top right-hand corner. Um, Steve, we have people listening to us um, uh, certainly around the area and probably outside the area as well. Around the world, man. What are you talking about? Around the world. We have clients in China, Singapore. I I bet they're... Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 Maybe they... Well, hopefully they know English. Yeah, maybe a little bit. So you can can check us out on the link. Um, 1230 AM is the local station. Uh, We also have podcasts out there. So if you miss a show and you want to go check it out, you can go to MoneyMD dot podbean that's p-o-d-b-e-a-n dot com and uh go catch a show and see what you missed pick up all the old shows exactly absolutely yeah it's a lot of great advice out there you know great way to listen to us at your convenience and you can also listen to us on your smartphone which is my favorite way of listening to the station um you can uh do that just by downloading the tune in radio app on your smartphone or if you go to italkus dot com um there's an app for android phones there and they have their own apps so you know there's the lots of ways to listen to it. no excuse for not listening to the money doctors that's morning. right that's right we got a lot of ways we do we do all right um uh we have a great show lined up for yes, the day before we get into that uh you know it was kind of a bruising weekend on the football field last weekend well wasn't it? as we said uh carolina was unpredictable and kind of surprising um they got pretty much trounced. Was yeah, a good way to put it. Unfortunately, Clemson didn't do any better. I thought um, I thought Clemson played really good for three quarters. I mean, going into the fourth quarter, they were only down three points. Carolina yeah. was out of it. It was thirty-one to fourteen. Texas A&M was winning at halftime. So yeah, our defense was, just got tired. I think it was one one theory anyway. I don't know. Lots of theories, but I think bottom line is we weren't nearly as good as yeah, Georgia. They got I mean, a running game. They were running all over us. Gurley's pretty tough. So, uh, you know, yes. Gordon, if you're listening, you know, out there. Yeah, Gordon's a, uh, Gordon's a Georgia fan, so yeah. he's happy this week. Yes. But, uh, That'll change in a couple weeks in Carolina change, plays Georgia. It changes fast in football. Yes, it, it does. does. So, you know, don't get too much on your high horse there, Gordon. And, and Georgia Tech won. They beat uh, Walford. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You know. So, yeah, it was a mixed bag last weekend, but not too great in the Margaret household. Yeah. But that's all right. There's always another week. That's why they call it college football. That's right. right? Our football season. Okay. Um, Yeah, we have a great show lineup for the day, John. I mean, I think we're just packed full of great advice today. Great info. Um, We are. I mean, we're going to talk about the seven truths investors simply cannot accept. Mm -hmm. You know, there are seven things here, and even eight. We're throwing a bonus here that... Investors just just ignore, even though they know in their heart it's true, they ignore it, and it's at their peril. It is hurting their investments. There, there are some things that are just both elemental and, and trickavertible. 
Right? <laughs> Incontrovertible. That's exactly right. <laughs> you just can't argue, right? That's right. Just can't just argue. They're just basic. So we're going to dive into that one, and then we're going to follow up with an article. I uh, always love Dave Ramsey's articles. He's always right to the point. And he looks at company 401ks, and the title of it is Triumph or Trainwreck. So we're going to dive into into that a little bit and see what Mr. Ramsey has to say about that. And then we're going to close. Uh, we've talked um, in the past about some bankruptcies for pension plans. And uh, Detroit is actually, the trial is beginning. They have some solutions on the table. Um, most parties are supporting it, but we're going to dive in and kind of tell you what that looks like. Yeah. You know, pension plans, the writing's on the wall that sometimes people can't live up to their expectations and obligations. So if you have a pension it's out true. there, you might want to listen into this. Yeah, you need a backup plan. We're going to talk about that. You know, that's your, called your 401k. So <laughs> Yes, that's right. Uh, all right. We're going to start off here, though, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this source is from the the Peter Peterson Foundation and interesting stat here you know Steve the the national debt is um I hate to say it but it's kind of on the back burner right now yeah you know, it's been on the you back know? burner for six years John it, and it's it's painful to, to just let it sit there and just grow and grow and grow and now we're almost at what almost 18 trillion that's right and unfortunately the international uh, environment's really taking um, a lot of the attention and the focus away from this issue definitely you know and so five out of six uh, Americans about 83 percent believe that Congress and President Barack Obama should focus a greater amount of their attention on the country's $17.7 trillion national debt. Um, yeah, that's not going to happen. And the deficit is, is decreasing every year. It's not as big as it has been, but it's still adding on to the debt level. So the debt level is actually increasing. It is. But um, at some point, it, it has to be addressed, you know? It really does. It's it's huge. And, uh, yeah, he, he our current administration seems to have no interest whatsoever in addressing any of those issues. No, they've proven even, Yeah, even whenever, you know, they don't have the international issues going on, then they're focused on... Uh, Health care. You know, health care or, or the, amnesty to the, you know, to the illegal aliens. So anyway, we, yeah. won't, we won't jump too far into politics here. Let's get right into financial stuff, which <laughs> is where it really gets good here. So we're going to talk about the uh, first article here is out of Yahoo Finance. It's seven truths that investors simply cannot accept. Mm-hmm. John, you know, I mean, investors, we, we they learn, we investors, we learn very important truths along the way, right? But sometimes... We choose just to ignore that knowledge when it's convenient and it, when it enables us to follow our emotions, because mm-hmm. that's what we all really want to do. We want to do what emotionally we want to do. It feels good, right? Yeah, what feels good, yeah. So as an investment advisor, you know, we come in contact with this phenomenon on almost a daily basis. You know, as investors just repeatedly kind of shun the prudent investment truths that they've learned along the way. And unfortunately, no one is immune to this, you know, uh, being snared by your emotions, including myself. I mean, I also often have that urge, mm-hmm. but as we're going to talk about in a minute here, you have to have a disciplined strategy to, to resist that urge. But here are the seven essential truths to investing that we are all aware of, but we simply cannot seem to accept it all the time, regardless of the deluge of evidence mm-hmm. to their wisdom. Oh, there's a lot of information out there that we'll cover, right? I mean, this is a fantastic article. It really hits the nail on the it, head. It does. It does. Yeah. So the first one here is anyone can outperform at any time, but no one can outperform all the time. Period. Period. I mean, yeah. that is so true. It is. It is. There is no manager, hedge fund, or mutual fund strategy that always works. 
You know, if if there were a constantly winning way to invest, everyone would immediately adopt it, and its benefits would quickly be arbitraged away. And I know that's kind of a technical way of looking at it, but, I mean, the bottom line is no one or nothing stays on top forever. The more as time passes, the more likely you are to see the excess returns of any given investment niche um, you know, dwindle and, you know, until it becomes so out of favor that no one's doing it anymore. I mean, the fact is a diversified portfolio of many asset classes tends to be the most consistent strategy. But even then, you have to be patient, right? You have to give it time. That's right. And that's a great one, Steve. There, a guy named um, Peter Lynch back in the 90s ran the Magellan yep. Fund, had a great track record. When he left, part of his requirement was is, is teaching uh, his process to someone else coming in behind him. And as we know, history shows that did not work out. Didn't work. Magellan Fund underperformed for a number of years. So it just doesn't exist. There's not a magic formula out there. So that's a really good one. Number two here on the list is persistence of performance is is nearly non-existent and that's another good one in business we like to bet on the winners and uh, go with what's working now on the field of play we like to get the ball to whichever one of our teammates seem to have the hot hand and uh, while you're usually rewarded for this behavior in real life we're actually penalized for that um, behavior in the stock market because there is absolutely zero correlation between a manager's past or recent performance and what may happen in the future. I mean, the outperformers of last year are equally likely to outperform next year as they are to underperform. And that's lo- just looking at statistics. I mean, they're just just because a manager has done well the last year or two or three does not le- mean that he's going to do good the next two or three years. I mean, that just doesn't work that way. That's exactly right. You know, those those trends do not last very long. They're not very persistent. And, yeah, there's literally zero rhyme or reason, even though emotionally we always want to bet with and be aligned with today's champion. You know, are there exceptions? Sure, but there are not very many. You constantly hear about a few dozen managers after the fact who have beaten the odds and consistently outperformed, but you hear almost nothing about the millions of people who have tried and have come up short. Yeah, one of the things that it doesn't really talk about in this article is um, mutual funds. Um, There's something called survivorship. That's right. So these mutual funds that have poor track records, they'll actually just close them down and take them out of the statistics. Yeah, so when you look at the statistics, there's survivorship bias because you're only looking at the the winners that that actually stayed on, you know, and and we're still around. So uh, you can't really read too much into those statistics can you that's right yeah number three here on the list um is taxes and commissions matter um you know 99 percent of people um you have market discussions with they'll refer to before tax returns and often they don't even discuss um fees and commissions they'll talk about investments before fees and commissions you know the effects of those two constants cannot be overstated they can reduce a strategy that looks fantastic on paper to a complete debacle. And they can totally negate the market outperformance once you factor in those those commissions and fees and taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just can't eat pre-tax returns in the friction of a fund's internal expenses um, or your own trading costs. They will have a big impact on the real-world results, which is what matters mm-hmm. in the bottom line. So make sure you're looking at the whole picture after all costs when you're analyzing any yeah. particular investment. A lot of folks don't think they're paying expenses in no-load funds or annuities, and, and yeah, these just, expenses are built in. Most people just don't talk about them, so yeah, do some research on that. It's always there. Make sure you know what 
what you're paying. Okay, well, we'll continue this when we come back from the break. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back at these messages. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Barber, the certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider. And we are continuing our discussion here before the break about the seven truths investors simply cannot accept. You know, John, I mean, over the years of investing, we all learn certain truths. And we know, mm-hmm. you know, for instance, risk and and returns are related. Yes, absolutely. Right? I mean, if you want a higher return, you got to take higher risk. But yet, we tend to set those truths aside when our emotions get involved. Yeah, emotional decisions are not a good way to go. That's one of the values that, right. that we feel like we add to, to our clients is just sitting down and talking with them about some of these these truths. No one can predict the market. No one, if they say they can, you need to run the other way. But no one no one can do that. So you've got to look at some historical things and make some good decisions based on, on that information, right? That's right. And, and, you know, people believe these things in their heart. But, and in their head, maybe, but maybe not in their heart. And then whenever whenever they get in a situation where the market's down and their emotions want to make them panic a little bit, you know, they'll set those truths aside and they'll make a decision. They'll, they'll do something that is counter to those truths that they already know. You know, it's interesting. You know, I was thinking the other day, markets are, are doing pretty well and they have the last couple of years. Yeah. I think investors are just as nervous now as when the markets are down. It's it, like, it, it is you know, interesting. They, they are, it's, they, people do tend to be very nervous yeah. about the markets right now, expecting some big correction <clears throat> at any moment. And, um, you know, I mean, it's it hasn't happened yet. I mean, we don't know when. It will at some point in the future. Some we don't point, know when. We're going to have a correction. That's where but, being, <clears throat> being diversified is, is important. But you can't predict it, right? Yeah. So we've talked about this. I mean, no one can outperform. Uh, anyone can outperform any time, but no one can outperform all the time was right. the first truth. Second one was persistence of performance is nearly non-existence. In other words, you know, a good return over the last few years means nothing about the next few years for a particular manager, mm-hmm. okay, for fund managers. And then um, the next one was, the the last one we talked about was taxes and commissions matter, okay? The expenses in your investments are very, very important, and taxes are very, very important. So you have to factor those two things in when you're looking at a particular investment or a particular strategy. Mm-hmm. Make sure you understand the net-net return and how that you know how that's going to play out over time yeah that's right and number four here on the list is smart doesn't equal good and and steve you know there's a lot of people on wall street that are very very smart but you know everybody in the nba is is a great ball player as well so you know the smartest guy in the room will not always produce um the best investment results no matter how much research he or she has done or how good their spiel is on stage in fact some of the history's most spectacular uh, flameouts, people that have not done well, were geniuses and Nobel laureates. And this is because nobody, no matter how brilliant, knows what's going to happen in the future. And the random, randomness um, plays a massive role in everything um, that the markets do, and the economy as well. So there's nobody smart enough. There's no system that can, that can predict the markets. That's that's bottom line. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, smarts smarts to me only counts if you 
if you're smart enough to know what you don't know. No, this is true. Yeah, you this know, is true. If you know, if people who are smart enough to know their limitations and know what they don't know, those are people that usually say diversify, mm-hmm. right? And they say find a prudent way to invest and use academic research. I mean, that kind of smarts helps, but, you know, unfortunately, arrogance usually gets in the way. Yeah. And people think that they can, they can do, they can even know the things they don't know. Um, so that was a good one. All right. And the next one here is incentives matter. Okay. And it is so true. Everyone has to earn a living, right? You figure out how an investment manager gets gets paid and what drives their compensation. And you can often work backwards to determine how their incentives may affect you. And there's nothing wrong with an advisor or fund manager charging for their services, of course. Um, everybody has to make a living. So long as you, the consumer, understand that this will lead to certain biases and conflicts that are ever-present and eradicable. You know, mm-hmm. you can't get rid of it, right? And this self-interest of investment professionals can manifest itself in, in many ways, right, from their uh, proclivity to um, recommend transactions to their allegiance to a particular fund man- family or maybe their recommendation of using annuities, um, you know, the promise of a of a given geography, uh, you know, or, or sector or asset class. And Charles Schwab's wants everybody to think um, that active trading is going to help you, right? Because mm-hmm. they get paid from commissions. Right. You know, if you're using a discount broker like that. Um, they get paid from transaction costs. You're making trades. Vanguard might want you to think that index funds are the answer and that you should never place a trade as long as you live. You know, but I will add that at least Vanguard doesn't make extra money from following that advice. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody has an axe to grind, including yourself, and people's opinions are almost always colored by what's best for them personally. That's why we recommend using a fee-based advisory relationships if you're going to get help, use somebody that gets paid from just management fees. That way, there's no incentive to recommend one particular investment over another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on so, the same side of the table. Yeah, exactly. Is what it's usually uh, referred to. Yeah. That's a good one. Number six here, Steve, is the crowd is always at its most wrong at the worst possible time. And over the long haul, only one thing is certain. There is no worse performing asset class than the average investor. That's interesting. I've never heard it put that way. Yeah, that's right. You know, in the aggregate, investors underperform value stocks, growth stocks, foreign stocks, and really almost any asset class out there. And But nothing underperforms the investor class. I mean, the investors out there are making bad decisions is what we see. And we know this from the studies of dollar-weighted returns, and it's a glimpse into just how investment performs, um, but how much actual money has been gained or lost by the people who have invested in it. So, I think they're probably talking about the the Dow, the Dow Bar, Bar study. study. That's right. That we talk about a lot is is the investor class is the worst performing asset class. Yeah, it's just what investors actually get to keep. You know, they invest in the market, and research has shown that they fall like four or five percent per year short of a market rate of return because of all the time bad timing decisions and pulling mm-hmm. money in and out yep. and the cost involved. So that's very interesting. Yeah, on the whole, investors they bet big on assets that have already gone up, and they sell out after. A lot of them have gone down. So, you know, investors make bad decisions. 
You know, number seven here on the list is fear is significantly more powerful than greed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very interesting studies that have been done on this. Behavioral science has proven that we feel anguish over losses much more acutely than we feel joy over gains. And I think God built this into our DNA, John, you know, as a survival mechanism to help us avoid danger and preserve mankind, right? But, you know, we're also genetically hardwired to act quickly when we feel threatened. And this extends it to our, even to our most precious modern resource, our money. Mm-hmm. And that's why markets drop much more quickly than they rise because people panic. They feel threatened. So regardless of the head knowledge um, of history and, and, and the reason behind it, you know, this is one more reason why you need a disciplined strategy where your hands are not always behind the wheel of your 401k plan. Yeah, that's right. Right? Keep it off the wheel. Exactly. <laughs> Put it on, you know, good diversification, rebalancing, leave it alone. Yeah, we're talking a lot about diversification, Steve. Diversification does not prevent losses, right? That's true. It, it Historically, it has shown to be a, a pretty good way to invest and have a lot of different asset classes, some bonds in there and so forth. But I mean, diversification is is not a is not a foolproof way of investing, right? I no, mean, it, of course not. It's going to have some some downs with the market, but um, it's shown to be a good way, a good solid way of investing, um, you know, long term for those long term investors. So, um, number seven uh, A here on the list, or number eight here, is is there's no pleasure without the potential for pain, and uh, adjusting for inflation and taxes, the average annual return for stocks going back to like 1926 is approximately four times greater than the returns for ultra safe bonds. And uh, you ask why, why is that difference? Well, because investing in stocks, you're assuming more short term risk and accepting greater volatility today. And as a result, like we talked about earlier, you're being rewarded in the future. It cannot ever, it can't ever be anything other than this. I mean, the relationship between short term risk and long term gain is both elemental and it really can't be argued. That, that's right. true. Yeah, I mean, Wall Street makes their millions of dollars, you know, the, the, from trying to convince people that that rule can be skirted or manipulated or defeated. Um, people will, will almost always, um, you know, they'll invest ne- nearly any amount of money to people that promise them that the ups will be there, but there'll be no downs. Yeah. You know, I mean, despite the fact that, you know, in the fullness of time, this cannot possibly be achieved, i.e. Bernie Madoff. You know, I mean, it, it turned out to be a fraud, of mm-hmm. course, because um, he was given these even nice, perfect 8% returns every year or something like that. And, uh, you know, it's just it, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, risk and reward are, are definitely related. So, yeah, in the moments of exhilaration or panic, um, you know, all of us have have done things that have run completely counter to some of all of these investing truths. But um, the bad news is we'll probably do it again. The good news is that with awareness, we can become better investors over time yeah. and stay diversified and invested. Yeah, great, so, uh, great topic here. Yeah, good topic. All right, that leads up to our break here. But if you have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages and GM News. Stay with us. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marbert, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider. And we are going to lead off our second half of the show here with the question of the week. Yes, Steve, Social Security is is always a big topic. Um, It is. Most people think it's very simple, but... 
It's actually very complicated. Um, Unfortunately. You know, we, we find clients that have questions, <clears throat> and many times the answer, they'll have to go to the Social Security Department to find out the specifics. Yeah. And many times the Social Security Department can't give them a good answer. Yeah, I found that. It's, I mean, it's amazing how complicated Social Security is when you dig underneath the surface. Yeah, it really is. So, you know, the question that a lot of people have for us is, should I take my Social Security at age 62? They have that as a goal to retire. Yeah, and sure. It's a valid question, and it really depends on your situation. Um, we have a tool that we use to help evaluate and help make that decision. A yeah. um, couple of things play into account, um, whether you're married, um, your health. Right. Um, you, do you have longevity in your family? That's certainly something to take account of. Salaries in the past, what are your incomes? Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of different factors that we look at um, to help you make a decision. Again, if we knew when we were passing on to the next world, we could tell you exactly what to do, but that's just not how it works. Yeah, and I mean, also, do you need the income now? I mm-hmm. mean, if you need the income now, then, then perhaps you have to take it at 62 in order to retire or you're forced to retire. Um but, you know, if you're married and you're the higher income earner and you have a 401k you can pull out of instead and delay it for a while, um, it might be smart to delay it till age 66 or even or 67 or even mm-hmm. age 70. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times that works out to be the higher benefit if you assume that your, your joint life expectancy is going to be beyond, say, age 85. So, uh, but yeah. anyway, yeah, it's... It- Every year you wait, it's 8% increase, so that's right. that can be a good strategy. Go to um, If you don't have a um, statement, go to ssa.gov. That's right. Sign up and get the statement. They're not sending it out anymore. They stopped in 2011, um, which I think is okay. Uh, they sure. tried to save money associated with it, but ssa.gov is where you can get your information. Yep, yep. All right, good question of the week. And that leads up to our next topic here, and that is your company 401k plan, a retirement triumph or a train wreck? <laughs> In the words of Dave Ramsey. It's a Dave Ramsey article. Yeah, I uh, met with some um, some folks in the last couple of weeks, and one of them I would classify as a triumph because they've done a great job saving. <laughs> they have right. never tried to time the market, and the other one was a train wreck. We've seen some train wrecks, <laughs> yes. for sure. Come in with, you know, ready to retire, and you only got one hundred and fifty grand or yep. something. and Sitting in cash since 2008. Ouch. Yep. You know, it's opportunity lost. Yeah, really, really a challenge. And, you know, corporate jobs used to bring uh, cushy retirement checks to fund, you know, your golden years. But, you know, these these days, private pensions, also known as defined benefit plans, are quickly becoming the stuff of, of legend. And uh, that's let, left a lot of folks yearning for the past. And, you know, this is a good article from, from Dave, and he talks about this on the radio a lot. Um in, in his show and so forth. But, you know, some naysayers criticize the 401k as a failed experiment because it puts workers in charge of their own retirement destiny. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Dave's not saying that, but there's some naysayers out there. I think it's, That's right. I think it's been a good vehicle. Um, it has. It has. You know, last we checked, being in control uh, was a good thing, right? Yeah, I do think it. I mean, I will say this. I do think there are some more constraints that need to be added, mm-hmm. you know, to, to keep people from just tapping it early, hardship provisions with, with no plan for the future. But having said that, yeah, I mean, I think 401k is a great tool. Being able to invest it and get a higher return than, you know, a pension plan or, you know, Social Security is a great benefit. And there's there's research to back up the 401k being a, a reasonable place to invest. And there was a study that was done by the Employee Benefit Research Institute, and it found that, that people that saved early ended up with more money at retirement in a 401k than with a private pension. 
No doubt. That that's interesting. I mean, I've never really heard it put that way before, but um, you know, today there are some people that have done a great job with 401k's and they have a pension. That's a that's a fantastic place to be, but that is, you know, yeah. most people don't have that. So saving in a 401k is a great place to do it. Roth accounts are another one that you want to look at. But, you know, with a pension, your your employer picks up the retirement tab and you've enjoyed guaranteed income for the rest of your life. So what's not to love about that? It's a pretty good deal. The problem is, is it's not yours. It's theirs. So if the company goes broke or, or you lose your job, your nest egg could be toast. Um, you know, that's, that's a risky right. way to plan for the future. It can be a piece of it, but you've got to have some other strategies that are kind of going in concert with that. And I know people think that can never happen to me, but unfortunately, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it locally with Graniteville Company, I think, back in the 80s or early 90s. Um, a lot of people lost a lot of their pension. They still got some, but, you know, when the PBGC comes in and takes over the pension plan, you don't get the whole pension. You get yeah. a fraction of it. Yeah. And so don't think that can't happen to you. I mean, ask an airline employee, nearly 30% of pension defaults um, handed over by the PBGC belong to major airlines. Mm-hmm. United Airlines, U.S. Airways, both uh, closed the books on their employee pension programs back in the wake of September 11th, you know, uh, the World Trade Center attacks, and nearly 180,000 current and former workers, uh, some pilots with six-figure pensions, shrank to a fraction of what was promised. So it can definitely happen to you, I and mean, you've got to have a backup plan as we talked about, and that's your 401k. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing that, that can happen, Steve, they don't talk a lot about here, is they can freeze pensions, they can uh, stop inflation adjustments and so forth. That makes a huge impact associated with it. But, you know, of course, public pensions aren't fail-safe either. I mean, the latest from uh, Governing Magazine reveals that there are 38 municipalities that have filed for bankruptcy since 2010. Local governments include Detroit, which we're going to be talking about here in a minute, yeah. uh, Jefferson County, Alabama, San Bernardino, California, Stockton, California. So, I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, and I think there's just got to, I think there are going to be some states that are either going to ask for bailouts from the federal government um, or they're just going to drastically cut their their pension obligations. I mean, these are unfunded liabilities. And, and yes, even people that are getting ready to retire, I think there's a chance they could cut your pension well, they do, um, you saw that with the medical out at the site. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. reduced, and that was surprising that they affected retirees that way. Right, just right. They never just, know. They just cut their, their medical significantly. <clears throat> That's exactly right. So, you know, the past couple of decades have no doubt been a period of transition. I mean, with pensions on the decline and Social Security looking less than reassuring, workers have had to make the jump uh, from sponsored to self-funded retirement plans. And that shift happened mid-career for most baby boomers, and they haven't had a chance to really see their 401k full potential at this point. They're still kind of in the middle middle of the process. Um, millennials, on the other hand, they've come into the workforce recently knowing that retirement is up to them, and so they're off to a pretty good start. And uh, consider these stats from Transamerica Center for Retirement Studies. Two-thirds of millennials expect a, to self-fund retirement, and 70% are already saving. So that's, that, a, that's refreshing. That is hear. refreshing. I, I like that. That's fantastic. Maybe we're, we're making a difference in, the, maybe, in the world, maybe Steve. Maybe there's a, there's a few of them out there that we affected. That's John. right. I, I hope so. so. I mean, that's, that's great to hear. And millennials set a precedent for saving early, starting at a median age of 22. That's 13 years ahead of baby boomers. I mean, baby boomers started, that would put them at 35. Yeah, good job, millennials. Yeah, I like it. And the typical millennial saw their retirement savings increase from 9000 in 2007 
the 32,000 in 2014. So that's they're a, off to a that, good start. That's a good start for somebody in their 20s, no doubt. So, uh, yeah, and that's not all. I mean, according to the EBRI, low-income workers in their mid to late 20s who invest in a 401k plan and remain eligible for 30 or 40 years, they can replace 15% more of their income at retirement. Um, and those in the highest quartile were on track to replace 44% or more or more income at retirement. Um, and I guess that's more than yeah, you know what, what they, they were doing before. So that's 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 pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, they're starting to make some good progress there. And this study was based on voluntary enrollment for millions of participants, and and some participants chose not to contribute anything to their accounts. And I think one of the one of the things that they're starting to do now with four hundred one k st, which I think is good, is automatic enrollment. It's I re- do really becoming the norm in the workplace, and oh, so those numbers be. are bound to go up. So it should be automatic enrollment <laughs> and make it very difficult to take it out early because. Yep. You, know, you just you just got to resist touching that money. It's got to be in a lockbox for you till you get to. You That's know, right. Leave it alone. 59. Right. And you know, if a pension is a part of your retirement portfolio, then you're certainly one of the lucky few out there. Um, but just don't rely on luck as your only source of retirement income. Take control of your future. Um, you know, Dave recommends fifteen percent. So do we. We think that's a that's a good number. It's a tough number for most people. Yeah. But fifteen percent of your household income into tax advantage retirement accounts, like a four hundred one k, or a Roth IRA. If you're eligible for that, that could be another good place to. You, you got to use a Roth if that's available to you. I mean, that is just a fantastic tool for young people to get them to retirement. If mm-hmm. you put $5,500 in a Roth, and we've run these numbers a lot of times, right? If you put $5,500 into a Roth and um, do you, it for you, a couple you, decades. you do that for from starting your 20s, yeah. you will have something north of a half million dollars but in tax-free. Yeah. I mean, we're talking after-tax money, yeah. age 59 and a half, that you can take out. It's just a beautiful tool. It depends on what you invest in. You got to invest in stocks. You got to get you know ten percent return, yep. something like that. But um, I'm just telling you, that's yeah, that's a great way to go. So, a couple strategies: Roth accounts. We talked about four hundred one k's. For some people, working with an advisor may be an option. Something to think about. Um, also, finding funds that you're comfortable with. You know, make sure you have. Have good fund choices in four hundred one k's. You don't really control that, but make sure you're diversified and and stay the course. We talked about that earlier. You know, try to try to. This is a long term. This is not trading. This is investing. So focus long term. Yeah, exactly. All right, good topic, and that leads up to our break here. But if you have a question, you can email us at info at moneymd.net. Or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to Money MD with John and Steve. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm Steve Marvin, a certified financial planner, and I'm here with John Travis, who is a Dave Ramsey preferred local provider. And we are continuing our discussion here um, into a new topic, though. Um, but before we get into that, we're going to do the uh, prescription, prescription of the week. Yeah. And, Steve, we talk about um, doing plans and, and um, you know, financial um, retirement looks at income and so forth. And this fits right in there. Uh, Fidelity did, did a study recently um, the, of the 42 million um, people in pension plans, which is a big number, 71% don't understand the details. So 
Wow. That's what happens a lot of times when folks come into us. You know, we ask about, um, you know, obviously 401K balances, IRA balances. We also go into Social Security, pensions, debt, cash, things like that. you got to know all those things. Yeah, and many people don't understand the pension piece of it. So, you know, if you're listening today and you have a pension plan or Social Security, go figure out what that benefit is because that's a piece of the puzzle that you need in order to, to come up with a plan. I mean, yeah, if you're going to do retirement planning, you, you got to know. I mean, let's say you're 45 today and you're planning to retire at 60, mm-hmm. right? You got to know what that pension's going to look like. I mean, you get your statement and it might tell you what your accrued benefit is at age 45. Well, that's nice and well, but you need to know what it's going to look like at age 60. So you need to go log on to your website. If you're an SRS, you can do that. There's a there's an estimator on there where yeah, you can model that's it. That's pretty good. And it's pretty good. Yeah, you just log on there and you plug in, you know, you're 58 or you're age 60, and you run it, and you see what your single life benefit's going to be, what your 50% joint and survivor benefit's going to be. And that's a key piece of the puzzle, and it's worth a lot. People, mm-hmm. people don't recognize how much that's worth. John, if you do a present value calculation on, let's say you're getting $2,000 a month in pension, which would be, you know, a very reasonable pension for some people. Um, In fact, a lot of people have bigger pensions out of SRS. Um, You know, if you you do a present value back to age 60 on that for the rest of your life, Mm -hmm. that benefit at age 60, it's probably worth half million dollars yeah there's a local company and i won't mention who it is but um sat down with one of their employees fantastic benefits they can take he's worked there for 30 plus years um has a has a good income 70 to eighty thousand dollars his pension is going to be fifty thousand a year or he can take a lump sum of eight hundred thousand dollars Right. So kind of helping to make that decision. Yeah, that it, work it shows me. you how much that's worth. It's amazing. I mean, yeah. it really is. So I run a, numbers for people all the time that are going to transfer out of the area to mm-hmm. another site or another facility, you know, and they'll ask me to compare the, the benefits here to the benefits there. And, you know, invariably that, that pension benefit, freezing that pension today versus it accumulating is a huge difference. I mean, it can be a million dollars of benefit wrapped up in that pension so you got to know what that's going to look like right that's a big piece of your retirement puzzle you add your social security to that um then you look at your 401k plan and yep. how much income you have to make up with your 401k plan to get you to retirement and of course then you got to factor in inflation and you know know how much money you need yeah putting it so together that's how you put all the pieces of the puzzle together but a very important piece i think that's a great prescription of the week is go understand that piece of the puzzle so, okay, that leads up to our last topic here, and that is Detroit's historic bankruptcy trial is now finally getting underway. It seems like it's been forever, John. I mean, when did, was was this like four or five years ago? Yeah, I don't think, no, it hadn't been that long ago. It's okay. actually, there's there's okay. a statement in here that says it's gone a little bit quicker than normal, but I think it's because it's such a big number. I think it was last last year. That they time. started the, the bankruptcy? Yeah, I think so. Well, it, I mean, they started down this slippery slope back oh, in 2008. Yeah, no you doubt. You know, where, I mean, it just started kind of imploding on itself. Yep. And so maybe the actual bankruptcy didn't hit till last year. But, That's right. Man, I don't know. It seems like it's been forever we've been talking about this. Yeah, and we talk about this type of uh, article and topic because we want to plant the seed that your pension is not necessarily, 
you know, guaranteed. I mean, so when you're doing planning like we just talked about, you've got to discount some That's of these right. numbers. You just don't know. And, you know, Steve, the opening arguments in the um, in Detroit's historic bankruptcy trial uh, expected to start, you know, started this last week, and um, for, where lawyers for the city will attempt to convince a judge that its plans to wipe out billions of dollars of debt should be approved. And, you know, attorneys for the city and its various creditors debated last-minute legal motions um, before the judge. And, you know, the trial in the uh, U.S. District Court comes a little more than 13 months after Detroit became the, the largest U.S. city to file for bankruptcy. And we talked about it earlier. There's other municipalities that are in that situation. I'll be honest with you. I would throw the government in that situation. I mean, the federal government is getting there. I mean, you look it's at just you look <clears throat> at the pensions. The post office, post office, continually lose billions of dollars. I think they're right in this in this mix. They're just yeah. You un- know. Unfortunately, there is just so many unfunded obligations mm-hmm. out there. I think I saw some figure, and it was like seventy-one trillion dollars or something of unfunded obligations. Oh. It was just some unbelievable number, you know. That was, you know, many times our gross domestic product and our federal. You know, expenses, um, mm-hmm. you know, revenue from a yearly perspective. And, yeah, Detroit, they're, they're expecting to cut $12 billion in unsecured debt down to about $5 billion. That's huge. So they're cutting it more than in half. So if you're one of those bondholders or worse yet, if you're one of those pensioners, um, you know, that's that's an obligation that's, that's going to be cut. Mm-hmm. Um which is is more manageable, they're saying, according to the the spokesman for the state appointed emergency manager, Ken Orr has been in charge of their their uh, finances since March of 2013. You're right; it's been a little over yeah, a little over a year. But yeah, most creditors, including more than 30,000 retirees and city employees, have endorsed the plan of adjustment um, to put that's been put together by this group, and um, they've guided. Chrysler through bankruptcy as well. So unfortunately, they, they've had to, to swallow some huge cuts here yeah. in this plan. And, and the plan uh, includes commitments from the state, major corporations, foundations, and others to donate more than $800 million over 20 years to soften some of the cuts to the city pensions. And in return, pieces in the city-owned uh, Detroit Institute of Arts would be placed into a trust to keep them from being sold to satisfy some of these creditors. Some of the cuts are... Um, are interesting. General retirees will take a four and a half percent pension cut, but here's the big one: they will lose the annual inflation adjustments. Um, that is a big one. That is a huge deal. That doesn't sound like a lot, but if you start out making thirty thousand on the pension and you're making thirty thousand in ten or fifteen years from now, it's going to feel like twenty thousand. You yeah. lose the purchasing power of that. So that's a that's a big deal. Retired police officers and firefighters would only lose a portion of their annual cost of living raise, but I mean, they're all taking haircuts on this, you know. Yeah, yeah. The cost of living raise—that's kind of an easy place to target because people resist that less because mm-hmm. they don't understand how much that's worth. But right. yeah, if you run a present value calculation on that pension with a three percent annual raise, for, you know, over your the remaining life expectancy, um, or without a three percent raise, the difference in those present values would be huge yeah it's enormous it's enormous you know so there is a big that's a big cut they're having to take and of course most pensions don't have inflation protection anyway right yeah most of them don't you retire in an srs or someplace else your your pension probably doesn't have any inflation and that's the reason why i mean that's the reason why we bring up this article too is because you cannot depend on your pension or the government 
for everything if you're planning for retirement today. Yep. You know, if you're already retired, it's probably secure. You don't have anything to worry about. I'm not trying to scare anybody. But, you know, if you're 35 or you're 40 years old today, you need to get on board with saving hard for retirement because this can happen to you. In mm-hmm. the federal level, it can happen to your Social Security. There are going to be some means testing. There's going to be some I, cuts that go on at the federal level. I think the writing's on the wall. I really do. I mean, I do. you know, <clears throat> it, it's changing the way we think a little bit about it. planning for the future. Saving in brokerage accounts may not be a bad strategy. Exactly. You know? Yeah, I mean, because, just, I mean, whenever whenever the debt, you know, really hits the wall and, and we're going to have to to deal with it, I mean, they're going to be looking for ways to to, to tax, mm-hmm. and they're going to be looking at pension plans, you know, to absorb into the federal system, perhaps. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of ways the government, if you look at company, countries like Argentina that have gone through default, you know, and have gone through major restructuring, you know, they, they can dig really deep into any kind of retirement plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to think about those things and plan for the future. Yeah, the strongest opposition for this came from insurers, you know, because they have to make up the difference, you know, and they, they had a $400 million claim against this. But I think this is just a great example of why you have to do it yourself. You have to depend on yourself. Yeah. You have to... To, to get going, saving 15% a year of your income into a retirement plan, into a 401k. Or Roth. Or Roth. Yeah. Even better. Um, take and, control. And take control of your future. Yeah, because it can happen. You just never know. So you got to diversify. Invest wisely. We talked about that earlier. All right. That brings us to the close of this week's edition of Money MD with John and Steve. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. And do check us out on our website. MoneyMD.net. Email us your questions. We'd love to hear from you at info at MoneyMD.net or give us a call at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor, security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. The MLB.